Grace and peace to each of you here this morning. It's indeed a blessing to meet together and to worship the Lord, to encourage one another, and to consider and see the goodness of God. Psalms 27, 13 says, I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I trust you would carry that hope and that prospect in your mind and heart and soul each day that God is good. And the measure of grace and mercy and peace that we experience from God, it comes to us through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Jesus, of whom God said he gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. All in all, that's pretty much everything. And are we walking in that fullness of Jesus Christ? Every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And as I consider, sometimes I think of that scenario where there's just a multitude of people bowing down before the Lord Jesus at the end of the age when that will happen, I believe. But also that, that verse, I think, speaks to here and now. That at the name of Jesus, there's power in the name of Jesus. That God says, we will bow things in heaven, things in earth, and things under the earth, whatever that would be. Principalities, powers, the things we wrestle against. And not only we wrestle against these things, but they are wrestling against us. But we have the promise and the confidence that the church of God will prevail against the gates of hell. And it is at the name of Jesus that we overcome. And even in this life, Philippians 2.9 says that God has given him a name which is above every name. And I like to think of the importance of of doing all things in the name of Jesus. Whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Wednesday evening we had a prayer meeting here, and that was a blessing to be together in that way and to share our requests, um, knowing that God is the one who is able to meet our needs. And there was quite a list of things presented, needs that people had, health concerns, and uh, that just came out of that. And rightfully so, we bring them to Christ, our concerns. There's a verse in Psalms 138, verse 8. It says, The Lord will perfect that which concerneth me. Think about that. The Lord has a plan and a purpose. 
He that began a good work in you shall perform it. We'll be able to complete it, I believe, is how that verse goes. The things that concern us in this life. I invite you to Matthew chapter 9, verse 29. Matthew 9, verse 29. I'd like to use this verse a little bit as a basis for the message this morning. It says, Then touched he their eyes, saying, According to your faith, be it unto you. This is very similar to another statement Jesus made in Matthew 15, 28. He told the individual in that situation, Be it unto thee, even as thou wilt even as thou wilt. That'd be a good um, phrase to underline, highlight in your Bible if you are given to marking in your Bible. Be it unto thee, even as thou wilt. According to your faith. This is a theme, I believe, that can hit home with us. You know, it's on that basis that most of us here have accepted the Lord as our Savior. And we walk in that. But there's still a need for faith and to exercise faith in this way. I see four elements that I would bring out briefly. Four concepts. Be it according, be it unto you according to your faith. Be it. When Jesus says, be it. He is speaking in reference to a reality that comes upon us. Something that, that occurs, a change perhaps. Similar to when God created the world, he spoke the world into existence. He said, let there be light, and there was light. And at the word of Jesus, these things come to pass in our lives. Secondly, be it unto you. It's a personal thing. It comes to us as a reality that is relates to our need as the person. When Jesus helped people, he helped them individually. We accept his salvation on a personal level, on, a, on, a, on that basis. Thirdly, according to. Be it unto you according to. This is meaning based on something else, in agreement with something, with respect to what? Our faith. Be it unto you according to your faith. And Jesus made many similar statements of, of these to those people that came to him and responded to him in faith in their individual circumstances and the stories of many of those people that came to Jesus out of difficulty and um, they had to put forth some effort and into what they desired. We see how Zacchaeus, he climbed a tree, he went to some work and the men that let the cripple down through the roof and the work of getting that man up on the roof to start with. You think about that. 
But these people, they had a compulsion based on their faith and based on a revelation that I believe is part of that experience. Faith is simply a revelation based on knowledge. In the early days of Jesus, he was a babe and his parents took him to the temple. And you remember the story of Simeon and that seems like a small story. But in Luke chapter 2, might read a couple verses here. Luke chapter 2, verse 25. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Ghost was upon him. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came by the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, then took he up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now let us thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. We see that Simeon was a just and devout man. He describes him in that way. But three times in this story, it refers to Simeon as the Holy Ghost coming upon his life. His prayers were answered. And in that setting, I believe he, he may have kind of broke the norms of what the expectations were. And in the life of Jesus, I think a lot of, of times those normal things that society had come to expect were broken just because people put their faith in Jesus and the miracles he performed. And could be Jesus dealt with a lot of awkward situations. Are we willing to do that on account of what God has placed upon our lives in faith and understanding his will in our lives? So the message today, it, it may be putting some emphasis on that work of faith and that grace in our life. I remember as a, as a young Christian, I would, I would try to think in my mind what were the things that I needed more of. What were the foundational things that we needed to grow in and operate in and pray for? And I put together three things in my own mind that pretty much I thought everything fit under, and that was faith, love, and wisdom. And you might have more things that you would think of to add to that. And so I would pray for those in my life, more faith, more love, and more wisdom, thinking, you know, the other things that come along will fall under that, under that umbrella. Those are like distinct graces that God brings into our life, but each of those graces, even though they're distinct, they, they kind of depend on the other two to be able to properly function in each their proper function. But Jesus said, be it unto you according to your faith. He did not say according to your love. He did not say according to your wisdom. 
And so the importance and the value of our faith, it seems like a lot is foundational on faith. First Peter 1 says that the trial of your faith being much more precious than that of gold that perisheth. When I study that verse and it talks about being precious, the trial of your faith. But the preciousness is referring not to the trial, it's referring to the faith as you look at that verse and as you study it out. Specifically, a faith that is tried and tested. We talked a little bit in our Sunday school this morning about going through trials and suffering and finding joy in those situations. The trial of your faith. Being much more precious than gold that perisheth. Now we think of gold. The value of gold. If someone would find gold, if you would find gold, you would celebrate. If we um, would stumble upon some gold, and some people seek gold, they search it, they, they go to the effort to find it. And if, if Brother Dave back there would find some gold in his yard or, or with his metal detector and give me a call and tell me I, I found some gold, um, I'd probably perk up a little bit. And we'd probably go and, and have it tested and and find out about this. Well, do we find joy and rejoicing in the same respect when we see faith evidenced in our brothers and sisters' lives, in our own lives? Is that of more value to us? It should be. And even as gold, it goes through a, a process, a lot of times in the way they, they produce gold nowadays, it's it's, they uh, extract it from a lot of other material and then it goes through chemical processes and so on and a lot goes into it and finally they were able to separate that gold from everything else. Well, it's the same with our faith that we go through a lot in life that builds our faith and strengthens, strengthens our, our standing in that way. Jesus said in, in Luke 17, 8, When the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth. Hebrews 11, 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I like how another version words this. It says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. But in all of that, what are we hoping for? We don't usually hope for trials and tribulations. We hope for better things. We hope for good things. And that's not wrong. We are pursuing, ultimately, a godly, heavenly city. Hebrews 11 also teaches us that it's, it's not enough just to believe in God. He that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. 
that he is a rewarder. That is very foundational to faith in God. You know, there's many faiths out there. There's many gods that people serve. And I've had experiences where I've asked somebody if they're a Christian, and they'll hesitate and say, I believe in God. But they won't necessarily acknowledge that they believe in Jesus. And there's many false religions. So we need to believe in God, but we also need to believe in the concept of that comes to us from the word concerning the truth of God, that he is a rewarder and that he will serve us in that way and that we serve him with that expectation and confidence. But it doesn't stop there because the promise is to those who seek him and not just seek him, but seek him diligently, seek him. And this stands, I believe, as a challenge to us today we never get done seeking, we never get done asking, knocking, pursuing God, exercising and growing our faith in that way. How does your faith manifest itself in real time? 1 Corinthians 2.5 says this, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of of God. It is the power of God, the person of God, the anointing of God upon which our faith is based in bringing forth the things we desire of him, the desires of our heart. It's okay to desire the good things of the Lord and the benefits of God. Psalms 103 says to bless the Lord and forget not all his benefits. Forget not all his benefits. It's a large part of why we meet together to talk of these things and to bless one another in the Lord and rejoice in what he is doing in our lives in spite of the difficulties and the, and the, and the things we are facing. There's a song that, that has these words in it. With numberless blessings each moment he crowns and filled with a fullness divine, I sing in my rapture, O glory to God, for such a redeemer as mine. How many of the songs and hymns that we sing and we appreciate in our day and time were, were born and created out of an overflow of the knowledge that God is good? in a person's life. And that translates itself by their work in bringing these things forth into our lives that we identify with the same dynamic that they did. Accepting the challenges of life that come our way, whether it's suffering, whether it's rejoicing in God's goodness in the midst of suffering. Not all of life is, is easy, and it's, it's somewhat of a destiny that we will face affliction, affliction. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, the psalm said. <clears throat> There's a story of a man that wasn't feeling well, and so he went to his doctor, and the, and the doctor checked him over and couldn't really find anything wrong. 
And so he told this man, well, you're suffering from a terminal condition. It's called life. You know, life means that eventually you will die. And that's why we need God. And often the challenge that we face in our faith is accepting the promises of God as revealed to us in Scripture, taking God as his, at his word. And if our faith is weak, that's a good place to start, to read the promises of God and to trust in that, to find rest to our souls in what he has given to us in his word, the written word. It's a very powerful thing as we read it and allow the spirit to illuminate the truths in his word. But there's a, an even greater dimension that I think is brought out in scripture in the working of faith in the righteous men and women of God that's revealed to us in scripture and that is the things that are not specified in scripture that we pray for and we do this all the time but to have faith in God for things not spoken to directly in the scriptures things that would fit the category of the type of thing that that when Jesus spoke of according to your faith be it unto you and I'd like to take you to Joshua chapter 10 for an example of this. Joshua 10 verse 12. It's a familiar story that we all know in our minds where we speak of Joshua. He made the sun stand still. Uh, verse 12 says, Then spake Joshua to the Lord in the day when the Lord delivered up the Amorites before the children of Israel. And he said, In the sight of Israel, Son, stand thou still upon Gibeon, and thou moon in the valley of Agilon. And the sun stood still, and the moon stayed until the people had avenged themselves upon their enemies. Is not this written in the book of Jasher? So the sun stood still in the midst of heaven and hasted not to go down about a whole day. You know, based on this account and what it says here, I'd be willing to say that this represents maybe one of the most, if not the most, monumental displays of God's power in the natural world on about as big of a scale as, as uh, is observable if you're making the heavenly bodies change their course or alter their course. And I know there's speculation concerning this, this account of what actually took place here. But just taking it at its word, um, the sun stood still. And some, some people like to find fault with that because they say, well, it's not the sun that's moving. It's actually the world that's moving. But I think these things are spoken to not in a scientific manner, but in the manner of which it is most observable. Um, notice it says that Joshua spake to the Lord and that also he spake these things before the children of Israel. 
he did not go into his closet in secret and pray this little prayer that, Lord, if it's your will, please make the sun stop. No, he had the boldness and the confidence to do this in the sight of the people. And I believe, to me, that speaks to the stature of his faith, to the boldness of which this took place. In verse 14, and this is why I think that this was fairly monumental, is that it says there was no day like that before it or after it that the Lord hearkened unto the voice of a man, for the Lord fought for Israel. The Lord hearkened unto the voice of a man. There's a word in that for us, I believe, in our goings in life, in our spiritual endeavors, that we speak and God hears. Our voice is a gift from God. Speech is a gift from God. It's a powerful thing. At the time of creation, Adam was given the charge of naming the animals, if you remember that. Why didn't God name the animals? But it says, God made every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them, to see what he would call them. Just made me think, are there things in our life that God is setting before us? Bring it into your life, and he's waiting on you to see what, what the call is going to be, what your call is going to be, for you to make that call. And it says, whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. What is the call that God is perhaps waiting for you to make in this life? Is our prayers too small? Is our voice too small or weak or non-existent? Our voice is a gift. Let's use it in conjunction with the faith that we have and with God's will for our life in declaring the things of God. Also in the book of Joshua, there was a, a story in chapter 15 of the daughter of Caleb. Caleb was a very righteous and notable man. And she had a request of her father. In verse 18, it talks about it came to pass. She came unto him that she moved to ask of her father a field. And Caleb said unto her, What wouldest thou? He asked her, What do you want? And she answered, Give me a blessing, for thou hast given me a southland. Give me also springs of water. And he gave her the upper springs and the nether springs. By simply asking. And when I read something like that, it makes me think of where we're told in Hebrews. 4.16, let us come boldly before the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace in time of need. I think this applies to more than just our initial salvation. It applies to the parts of our lives and we never get beyond the need for more grace, do we? And the mercy of God. 
has it ever occurred to you that your view of God, your perception of God, is often how he will relate to you? That sounds a little bold, but I can think of examples in the scripture of this that would bear out this truth. Psalm 18.26 says this, With the pure thou wilt show thyself pure, and with the froward thou wilt show thyself froward. 2 Samuel 26.27 With the merciful thou wilt show thyself merciful, and with the upright man thou wilt show thyself upright. What is this about? Titus 1.15 says, Unto the pure all things are pure, but unto them that are defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure, but even their mind and conscience is defiled. I think of Job, who went through much affliction, and throughout that he defends, he defends his integrity, his innocence throughout, and he's steadfast in that, about his position before God. But there's one verse in Job, and that's in chapter 3, verse 25, that I took note of one day. It said Job <clears throat> was afraid. That's okay to fear God, but the fear we're talking about here, I think, may have been something different. Job says, Chapter 3, verse 25, For the thing which I greatly feared is come upon me, and that which I was afraid of is come unto me. I was not in safety, neither had I rest, neither was I quiet, but yet trouble came. And we know how Job, in the beginning, chapter 1, he made these sacrifices for his children, lest they would have departed from God or, or did something wrong. It didn't say they did something wrong, but he thought within his heart that this might have happened. And so he went about making sacrifices for his children and doing these things. And I don't believe he was wrong in that, but it, it says to me that he may have had a little bit of insecurity, a little bit of fear and apprehension about life. And uh, I'm going to leave that with you to meditate on. And I'm not saying that's why Job ended up with what he was afraid of. But we see in this same vein some other examples in Scripture. And I invite you to Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25, 24 through 26. Then he which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee that thou art a hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown, and gathering where thou hast not strawed. And I was afraid and went and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, there thou hast, that is thine. Now if you know that story, it didn't turn out very good for that steward that received that one talent. He said, I knew that thou were a hard man. I knew you were gathering where you had not strawed, reaping where you had not sown, and all these things. In other words, he was saying, you're a harsh master, you're an unjust master. And that was his view of this man. It, it, 
Probably it wasn't even the truth, but that's how he saw his, his master. And it led him to serve out of fear and disdain rather than love and diligence. So do you see how our perception of God can affect the way we respond to him and the ability we have to serve him righteously? Jesus said, be it unto you according to your faith. Then touched he their eyes. I think there's a, a, a spiritual lesson in that for us as well. It says their eyes were opened. One of the abilities Jesus had was to go about and open the eyes of the blind in a physical way. And that was a tremendous miracle. Something that if it came about in our, in our own experience, we would... We would praise the Lord to no end. But what is most important, that, that we have physical eyesight or that we have spiritual eyesight? And I think the real truth that Jesus wanted to show is that he had the authority to open the eyes of the blind. He also had the authority to open their spiritual eyes, and that was his real purpose. And I believe even today God is, is working that work in our lives. One of my favorite passages of Scripture is Ephesians 1, 17, where it talks about that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, would give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that ye may know what is the hope of his calling, what is the riches of his glory, of his inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us where he believe according to the working of his mighty power which he wrought in Christ. I talked about some examples of, of people that maybe were uh, a little bit slow in their faith or fearful of God, but there's other examples of positive examples and I think of the woman who touched the hem of the garment of the Lord Jesus in Mark chapter 5, 28. But I really like the, uh, the account in Matthew 9. It says this woman said within herself, If I may but touch his garment, I shall be whole. If I may but touch his garment. Where did she get that idea? Think about that. What made her think that? Was there something in the law that, that spoke to the fact that when the Messiah appears that you uh, may be experiencing sickness, so you need to go out there and, if possible, be able to touch his clothes? Was there anything like that in Scripture? Not that I know of. So where did she get that? And I think the answer is simply her faith. Your faith is designed to work for you, I believe, in unique ways. There was a man who needed help from Jesus one time. He was able to, to get to Jesus, and he, he had this son that was sick, uh, had the palsy. They said he was grievously afflicted and 
Jesus offered to come heal him. He said, I will come heal him. And this man said, no, don't do that. Just speak the word and my servant will be healed. You remember that story. Because he said, I'm not worthy for you to come under my roof. I'm not worthy of that. And Jesus was so impressed by this man's faith that he, he began to do a little preaching. He told a little story about how, you know, there's many that are going to come from the east and the west and sit at the and sit in the kingdom with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but the, the children of the kingdom are going to be cast into outer darkness. And of course he healed that man, that man's son, that servant his, was a centurion that came to Jesus about that. <clears throat> but I think there's a lesson in that, and, and that is we may not feel worthy of Jesus, but don't let our worthiness, our sense of worthiness, affect our faith it doesn't need to this man had faith and yet he felt unworthy in the sight of, of Jesus to do these for Jesus to do that and yet he went through with it he didn't he knew what he needed knew what needed had to be done <clears throat> is there practical aspects to this I hope so and and as the word of God comes to you I, I trust that he will make the applications in your life as to what this is but how do we grow our faith? How do we develop these things? First of all, I think we need to ask God for faith. Same as we do wisdom, we ask in, in faith, for faith, that God would increase our faith, that, that we would receive the, the understanding, that the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened. Secondly, I think faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God, that's scripture. Reading the word, hearing the word, I think is important, but I believe there's also an aspect to where our minds and our spirits can hear the, the voice of God, the word of God, uh, during the day. Even when there's not a Bible in front of us, we can position ourselves to hear the word of God. and to believe it and to act upon it in the way he would lead us to go and in the ways we are burdened in that way. In Acts chapter 26, 18, Jesus says the purpose to which he has come is to open their eyes, to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and receive an inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith which is in me. There again, by faith. There's a song that comes to mind day by day with each passing moment. And there's a phrase in that song we sing. He whose heart is kind beyond all measure gives unto each day what he deems best. Lovingly, it's part of pain and pleasure, mingling joy with peace and rest. Now, the thought I'd like to bring out is, as we look at that and we, we say that's great to submit, to have that spirit of humility, and that, that's very appropriate in all of life. But let's not adapt a fatalistic attitude to where we say, okay, the day's here at hand, and whatever happens is just going to happen, 
and we don't have any say in, in these things. <clears throat> what happens, happens. I don't see that as a, as a very healthy um, approach to life. Because we have a God that we can interact with. There's a thing called an interactive website where you can, where it describes a website that you can go in and you can change some things and you can, you can kind of manipulate like a weather map or something. It's called an interactive website. Well, we have an interactive God that the same things are available to us. We have not a high priest that cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. Let us therefore come boldly before the throne of grace that we may have grace to obtain mercy and help in time of need. There was another blind man that came to Jesus and many there in that setting they told him to hold his peace. They told him to be quiet in today's language to shut up. But he cried the more, you know, the, a great deal more. He said, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus commanded him to be brought forth. And he asked him this, what wilt thou that I should do unto thee? What wilt thou that I should do unto thee? So that's the challenge I would like to present to you today. God is waiting for you to hear your voice and to speak. It doesn't mean we go outside of Scripture or contradict the Word of God. But within the context of God's Word, I believe there are many avenues of blessing open to us as we avail himself, ourselves, of his blessings to us.